0: My name is Tim Guccione, and welcome to a very special episode of No Time to Bond, where, as always, we'll discuss many aspects of Bond. James Bond. From the cultures, to the filmmaking, from personal memories and everything in between, to the influence that one of the biggest franchises of all time has had on myself, as well as my guest for today. He started out as a contributor on the James Bond Lifestyle blog. He is the host of the YouTube channel and podcast, The Bond Experience, and is one of the few people in this community that I know who has an Aston Martin. Ladies and gentlemen, David Zeritsky. Wow. What an introduction. <laughs> that was perfect.
1: <laughs> well, nice to welcome. see
0: you, Tim. Nice to see you too, David. It's a, this is a pleasure. It's been a long time coming. You and I have been trying to get this together for a little while now. So I'm glad uh, glad to have you on. Yeah, we had to wait till you know, a couple travels
1: ended, holidays. Mm-hmm. We saw each other for like a blink and nod moment yep. at the Gather All 2. Mm-hmm. And now here we finally are.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> and now here we are. <laughs> and now here we are. <laughs> here we Uh-oh. are. So uh Kuka. <laughs> so um so you've talked about your introduction to James Bond in previous interviews uh, and how your father like a lot of our fathers in the Bond community uh showed you, you know, Bond for the first time and also the, specifically the Spy Who Loved Me first. Uh how do you feel your first Bond film affected your fandom and and who and what you gravitated to in the films from the beginning to now and how has that evolved for you?
1: It's a good question because I know we do talk a lot about your first Bond film mm-hmm. does something to you. It influences you in some way. Right. Um, I will say this for what I gravitate to about the Bond films. I don't know if my first one had a major impact. Like you said, it was the Spy Who Loved Me mm-hmm. rainy day in Atlantic city ducked into the theater. My yep. father said, watch this. I just remember sharks and jaws, but I, I didn't become a, like a gigantic Bond fan fan. After that, it was a mm-hmm. little bit like it right. was kind of in the moment. Um, I think the biggest one that had the biggest effect on me was uh, a little bit later in life, but certainly mm-hmm. because Roger Moore was my first bond, Right. Um, no matter how campy, no matter how, as I call it, like gooey pizza, you know, his <laughs> films tend to be, right. um, I really liked them. I mean, mm-hmm. he could do no wrong. So I think it, it just, it creates a nostalgic affinity, but I don't know if it's, where I gravitate to when I want to put on a Bond film.
0: Okay. Interesting. So how, but how does that evolve for you though? Like, has that, like when you put on a Bond film, you know, what is your experience now versus, you know, you know, when you were younger or how you've, you know, gotten to this. Yeah.
1: So I've got two experiences when I put on a Bond film, Um, (laughs) what is purely for research, like (laughs) I'll put one on and say, Oh, I got to check out this, you know, outfit or this environment or this location or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm doing um, research for a video coming up. And then the other one, which is hopefully how most of your audience are uh, digesting these Bond films is mm-hmm. just pure relaxation. <laughs> so I'll put on a Bond film that I know so well, like Tomorrow Never Dies or Thunderball, because I don't want to think right. like, like you, I think a lot in my everyday vocation with mm-hmm. my family. And sometimes for two and a half hours, I just want to shut everything off. Yep. And, and that's, that's what I tend to gravitate to. It's like lobotomy of a James Bond movie.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you have that one particular film that you can usually kind of do that with? I know my dad's is Goldfinger for sure. Cause every nice. time, you know, I'll come, I'll come home or I'll be, you know, whatever. And he'll have Goldfinger on. I'll be like, Oh, you're watching Goldfinger. And he'll just, sometimes he'll just fall asleep because it's just so relaxing for him.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, you know what? I think Thunderball is probably my one pick in that regard because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm being taken on vacation.
0: Yep. I agree. You know, I, can, I, I can really do.
1: Taken on a ride, so to speak, but mm-hmm. um <laughs> that one to me is just pure relaxation.
0: Absolutely. Um, so like a lot of people in this community, uh, I've been following you for quite some time. Uh, you've done many videos and video series. And, uh, one of my favorites was your, uh, hunt for frugal bond items, especially the one where you went to old Navy and Kohl's <laughs> to find uh Skyfall S clothing items. I thought that was really good. Um, what have been some of your favorite, uh, videos that you've done and why
1: around the frugal bond moments no, or just, just in general? general. Oh gosh. I would say. My favorite videos would probably surprise people because they probably think it's some of the celebrity interviews Mm -hmm. or some of the bigger event type things. Those are great. But I think my favorite ones are the ones where I'm just talking to friends, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, things like this with you just chatting back and forth. Uh, Ones where I'm talking about style Mm -hmm. with a group of friends, where I'm talking about the movies, where I'm debating with Calvin Dyson. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like just general Bond community chat. Yeah, <laughs> are by far my favorite videos. They're not necessarily the most popular. I don't care about that, mm-hmm. but they're the ones that I just have so much fun with that mm-hmm. I just tend to remember them.
0: Right. And of course, you know, uh, your videos with, with Joe, um, mm. where you guys have talked about, you know, the bonds, you know, uh, that they've had films that maybe weren't so good. Like, yeah. you know, is the first film the best one is the last film the worst one, so on and so forth. I have really enjoyed those as well. Um, and so it kind of transitions into this next question. Um, you know, you've I've asked your other YouTube brethren and Calvin and, and Joe the same question. Uh, you have a lot of great friendships with with both of them, um, and uh, but one of note obviously is with Joe specifically. And so, how did that friendship come about, and how do you feel it has affected your content and vice versa?
1: Joe and I met at. Um, hmm, I was a guest speaker at. Uh, college in Long Island. And for some reason I'm having a senior moment, it's escaping me, but there was a a James Bond weekend Mm -hmm. and we had known each other. I knew about his podcast and some of his other things. And we met very briefly that day, but then we just started to hang out more and more. And back then, like a major event, a major Bond event would be, uh, let's let's have seven people over for a Moonraker watching party (laughs) at David's house. And I would make like, themed foods and Danielle would make themed foods and right. literally you'd have seven people come over and watch a film that was like the big event of the year mm-hmm. um all oh, when we were children <laughs> um but Joe and I just had this natural affinity and I and I know you can appreciate this Tim because I think you have these relationships too mm-hmm. where yeah you talk about bond but you just have so much in common with life mm-hmm. and philosophically and we just had so much fun and then we became great friends where even today, you know, we talk and text every single day, like without fail. Mm -hmm. I've seen him in wonderful moments, terrible moments. He's seen me in wonderful moments, terrible moments. And so we've grown together. And I think that the content, the reason that our content tends to be pretty strong together is because Mm -hmm. we've grown up through this passion of our channels together and we've fed off of each other. We ideate Mm -hmm. with each other. And, um, yeah, I just he's certainly my best friend inside the bond community. He's probably my best friend outside the bond community as well.
0: Mm. Oh man, that that's that's great. And yeah, you you like like you said, I, I definitely have a few of those in the community as well. And um and it's 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 amazing the 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 camaraderie that everyone has, and that we just we bond over bond, but then we talk about everything else beyond that. And yeah, yeah. And and, and you know what
1: I love about it too, because I, I think you would value the same thing. Is there are some people out there in and outside the bond community where you can say anything, I mean, anything, and you don't have to walk on eggshells. And it's extremely relaxing mm-hmm. to have people like that in your life where there's no agenda, there's no sensitivities. You just say it like it is without punitive damage. It's amazing.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's, I think that's kind of what makes life worth living too at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but, uh, I recently had the chance to meet Joe Donnie Waldron of quantum of history, Bud west of the, the bond brain and many more, uh, including yourself at operation gather all two, um, on December 11th of last year. Uh, what are the logistics that go into planning events such as those, especially when they bring the entire community together in the way that it does.
1: So happily that one is not truly representative of <laughs> one of the events that I did, this was easy. This right. was literally getting in touch with the venue. Um, we've done it there before. Uh, Because I knew that I was, as you know, getting off of a plane and I mean driving straight from the airport to the event, Mm -hmm. I kept it very simple. I had um, a few weeks before when I wanted to do it, I got in touch with some of the brands to get prizes and the brands are always fantastic. Mm -hmm. They always provide prizes galore. And uh, so that's never an issue. And then uh, putting out the invite And it, honestly, 90% of the work around a good event Mm -hmm. is the invitation, yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's honestly setting expectations and putting mm. it out there. And I always and I, it's not a joke when I say this, I always say the best events, the secret ingredient mm-hmm. is the people. Absolutely. It's not the prizes, It's not the music. It's not the libations. It's the mm-hmm. people. And, you know, it's almost like stone soup. You yeah. know, I bring the stone and everybody else brings the carrots and the meat and the broth <laughs> and everything like that. And right. that's what that event was. Now. If I take your question and I move it to like an event like some of the New York City brand jobs mm-hmm, I've done, absolutely. that takes a crap ton of planning <laughs> because everything is timed. There's expectations right. of the brand. There's do's and don'ts you need to do. There's usually video filming at each one. Mm-hmm. So those take sometimes many months to do. And mm-hmm. people, would, people don't realize there's a lot of restrictions like, you know, and, and bless everybody for saying this. You know, I always get, uh, how do I get onto one of your you know, New York city brand things. And part of it is like, it's just my friends, like (laughs) walking around New York city ultimately. But the other thing is we're restricted for space. Like Mm -hmm. we can't bring 500 people into NPL
0: cash fair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We we would
1: obliterate the store. So
0: yeah. (laughs) I mean, I mean, you could, that would be great, but unfortunately
1: (laughs) that would be great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you had the NPL, um, you gave away one of the the NPL sweater, the commando uh, sweater from no time to die at the event, which I thought was fantastic.
1: We did. They were very, very generous.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, that's incredible. So how do you actually go about uh, when when talking to the brands and getting stuff like that, how do you go about that?
1: So for events um, I go back to the brands that I've had relationship with years, sometimes Mm -hmm. decades in some cases. Sunspell is a good example of that. I've known them since 2006. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know the managing director, I know the marketing people, and they know that events, there's um, it's a little bit of a transactional moment where they right. know that there'll be pictures taken, there'll be people talking about it. But at the same account, like all throughout the year, it's very quid pro quo. I mean, they mm-hmm. see me doing stuff with their brand that they don't ask for and right. vice versa. So I'll just get in touch with them. They'll say, what do you want? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in many cases, which is great. <laughs> yep. um, or if I'm going to an event, uh, perfect examples, the first uh, trip to London for no time to die that I went to, mm-hmm. I got in touch with some of the brands and I said, I'll be there for a week going to these types of events. I usually right. tell them what I'm going to be. And then Oliver Brown or somebody like that say, great, well, we want to supply your wardrobe mm-hmm. for these events, right. you know, choose these pieces mm-hmm. or the best is when they curate it. <laughs> so they'll say, Hey, can we pick out some things for you? Like you're going to Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. Can we choose some Fleming-ish moments? And then right. and then that's really where it gets very collaborative with the brands and a little mm-hmm. bit more fun.
0: Right. And you get to, you know, promote their product and they get to kind of you get to kind of see it out in the wild. You know?
1: Yeah. And the brands never ever and people should know this. The brands never say like you must do this, or you must do that, or you must spend six and a half minutes talking about that. It is extremely organic. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, they know I'm going to do it because they've known me for years. And even new brands, Mm -hmm. like, um, good examples, Anderson and Shepard, I just had a video about their linen shirt. Mm -hmm. They've seen enough of my videos over the years that they know I'm going to take care of the moment, so to speak, I don't need to have my handheld.
0: Yeah which is great and you know you kind of see it with you know uh you know i think a lot of the the clothing items you know not only do you wear them well but you really get to kind of see how you know one could wear them in the different situations and i think that's really important
1: yeah exactly
0: and it's part of the reason why i think so many people gravitate towards your channel too because they want to even if they can't you know afford the uh, official one you know they want to be able to find something that you know can be close to that, uh, or find connections in the you know, in a way to find you know those uh, frugal versions and whatnot.
1: Well, I'll tell you, Tim, a little secret that maybe is not a secret. The majority of my YouTube channel are not people from the Bond community that you and I would know. They're right. actually people that want to hear about the style and mm-hmm. the fashion. And if they're going to if they're going to buy a Sunspell shirt, they want to know, geez, do I get a small? Or do I get a medium? Or do mm-hmm. I get a large? Is it going to shrink? So they're much more around the information than they right. are around, well, that's a Bond moment. Yep. So nice mix.
0: Yeah. And I, and I really enjoyed your, um, your interview with the, uh, the uh, owner of RGT. Um, and uh, it's Probably. part of the reason why I bought the jacket, too. Uh, yeah. So it's nice. one of the only and I feel like it's, it's very interesting because it's a very affordable sartorial piece. And so it's almost frugal, too, at the same time.
1: It is, isn't that a nice balance when you have mm-hmm. a frugal moment, the um, Carhartt hat yeah. mm-hmm. from No Time to Die is the same thing, $16, $18, whatever it is, yep. you spend five minutes and it's like screen accurate for like mm-hmm. 16 bucks. It's ridiculous. Right. But that RGT jacket is great because it's just going to get better with time and it's a classic look
0: Absolutely. Um, where
1: some of the other ones are a little bit more of a style risk as right. I call it. Mm-hmm. And an investment too.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and especially like a Tom Ford suit. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I bought the the Sunspell uh, polo from Casino Royale hmm. uh, as a Christmas gift uh, to myself. I, they even sent me a. I had bought something from um, Mason and Sons earlier in the year, and then they sent me like a twenty percent off, and then I used that to buy uh, the polo off of their uh, site, and I was like, perfect. Uh, but nice. they, you know, they. the the cost and everything of that is also fairly affordable as well. And it's a great polo.
1: It's amazing polo. Yeah. There's a reason they've been selling it for well, since 2006.
0: Right. I just thought it was interesting how, um, I don't know if it's maybe mine through multiple washes. I usually make sure that I take good care of it and whatnot. Uh, but it has faded over the years or over the, over the year, I should say, um, you know, uh, in having it. And I've noticed, I don't know if that's, it looks different in the film than it does in person. I don't know yeah the,
1: the color you mean
0: yeah the color yeah mm-hmm.
1: so it's it's changed over time i mean yeah. i have ones from 2006 mm-hmm. um and i have ones from today and the color um i would say was darker back then a little mm-hmm. bit just maybe just the, the the lightest bit but they also say believe it or not you should hand wash it and dry it flat don't even right. put it in a dryer so mm-hmm.
0: i mean the only time i have Put it in the dryer has been like on a low setting, very, very low setting. Yeah. Just to kind of like keep it, just because if I need to dry very quickly and I want to wear it. Uh, but I generally try to take good care of it. So
1: they just want so. you to buy another one. That's all.
0: They, absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I definitely want to because I want to get like a black one at least because I, I wear a mm. lot of my color tones are generally blue, black, tans. So that's the kind of, that's where I live usually. Uh, so it's, you know, and I think it's kind of helped. I think that uh, Daniel Craig is blonde because I think that contrasts well. Uh, I mean, some of the colors that sean connery would wear were very different um because of his complexion versus what daniel craig's complexion is so i think they they do a good job in matching that they do yeah uh so i want to go back in time but not too far uh march of 2020 uh no time to die has had its release date delayed the world goes into lockdown uh as a content creator what was most important to you in that time uh and did you ever expect the community to grow so immensely and so rapidly from then to now
1: I absolutely did not know it was going to grow so much. I knew it was going to grow. I knew Mm -hmm. people were going to galvanize and come together. And I knew that would attract others, new people that were looking for a home Mm -hmm. or a safe haven. Um, My first thought, getting back to the original first part of your question, was um, only one. And it's going to sound a little Mother Teresa-ish, but it was just, all right, people need to have their spirits up. Mm -hmm. you know, we could, we could all go, Oh crap. Oh, this. Um, And I even saw some videos and podcasts around that line. And I said, listen, I, I, you know, whatever happens in other channels, I've got to have my channel be something that's positive. And I've always tried to take that approach. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when I'm being negative, I'm being a little tongue in cheek about it. Right. Um, But, and the other thing I knew is consistency. Mm -hmm. So not only do people's spirits need to be up, but a lot of people wound up um, taking a bit of a hiatus or sabbatical and saying, Mm -hmm. well, I guess we won't have a Bond movie and we're locked down. You know what I'm going to put? They they called it putting Bond in the drawer, putting Bond in a box. (laughs) And to me, it was like, no. Like, (laughs) listen, the fact that they don't have a movie, people are still craving. Mm -hmm. They still have that that itch that needs to be scratched for Bond. This is the perfect opportunity. So for those that double down, and I'll include my channel in that and said, you know what? I'm going to create more content. Mm-hmm. Those were the ones that were embraced by people. And I think they're the winners in the end.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, and I've kind of seen it, you know, I mean, you've, you know, definitely inspired me. Joe's inspired me. Calvin's inspired mm-hmm. me to kind of, you know. Uh, you know, get out there and you know do a podcast. I'm someone who's you know very much not you know out. I don't put myself out there very often. Uh, and I'm definitely kind of you know closed in at times. And the podcast was a great way to kind of you know build confidence for me. Uh, and you know I was just like you know what I, I bought. I, I got I had gotten a microphone for uh Christmas uh the year before, and then I was like all right I need two because I I know you know with uh, some background I have in audio that you need two microphones to, you know, put a good podcast together. I knew I wanted to do it with my dad. We'd been talking about it for a long time. And as soon as I bought the second one, I was just like, all right, can't back out now. Yeah, you're committed. Exactly. Just sort of writing down topics, starting, you started setting up things in, you know, in advance and um, kind of just continuing to listen to other people's podcasts and, you know, talking to uh, Pete Brooker from Taylor's with Love and, 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 everybody else that I, that I could possibly reach out to for advice and and I think, you know, now I feel like I've gotten to a point where I can now do that for other people as well. And I think that's, you know, definitely, you know, the positivity you're talking about is just trying to connect with everybody and, you know, and bring about content out of what, you know, what we love about the character.
1: Yeah, you did a great job with that. And and it was nice to see new content creators formed in a time when people could have, like you said, sort of rolled up in a ball.
0: Right. And mm-hmm.
1: you know, just moved on to other things. And you did have this, you probably remember this great wave in March mm-hmm. of new content creators. Yep. And you either had people, it was like 50-50, you know, either, like I said, double down and like you did and go get guests and get content and really prepare in a really great way the the way you prepare, mm-hmm. be very professional. Or you had people that started and said, damn it, only 10 people are following me. I'm done. <laughs> Um, And you did, you had a lot of people like that, that just stopped, which is fine because I always say to people, there's, there's three different groups, right? There's content consumers, which are Mm -hmm. obviously the biggest group. And that's great. You consume the content. There's content contributors where they jump on shows like yours and they contribute an idea, which Mm -hmm. is great. And then there's content creators, which take an idea. There's mm-hmm. nothing there, and they right. create something that's consumable for everybody else, and yeah. it's a hard job, but if you do it, there's a lot of reward
0: mm-hmm. absolutely and it's just yeah, it's just really about sticking with it absolutely absolutely absolutely, yeah, um so. Uh, moving on, uh, you've had many uh, Bond experiences, quote unquote, oh. uh, in the last year and a half uh, that seem to, in my opinion, pale in comparison to some previous ones that you've documented on your channel. Uh, and of course, I'm referring to your trip to Jamaica and your experience at the literary home of James Bond, Goldeneye. Uh, so, what were the circumstances that led to both of your trips there, and uh, what were the most Fleming-like aspects of it that you enjoyed, that you most enjoyed?
1: So, the very uh, well, the first trip to Goldeneye, which was back in February, Mm -hmm. um, that was a conversation that I kid you not started a year before that Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in about January or February of the previous year where we were talking about, um, Goldeneye were talking back and forth and they were very interested. They liked the way I approached my channel. I'll just say it like that. And the fact that I talk about, you know, these, it's about little moments adding up to these big impacts. Mm -hmm. And they said, that's Goldeneye. They said, GoldenEye is not one thing to everyone. It's Mm -hmm. uh, many different things. And we'd love you to document it in your own wonderful way. So Mm -hmm. um, they were looking for a Bond fan to do just that. And I was all in. (laughs) Things happened, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. like a pandemic. Um, Things happened like they needed to um, finish Mm -hmm. GoldenEye. There was a lot of things being done and they wanted it to look their best. So finally, we got the show on the road. And along that year, I became actually very close with management, you know, mm-hmm. people of Island Trading, uh, the managing director there, Janine Tribley, who's mm-hmm. fantastic, right. um, the head of GoldenEye, um, the resort itself. And so by the time I got there, it was like meeting up with friends mm-hmm. and we had such a great moment. However, as you know, <laughs> probably, I'm sure you do, mm-hmm. um, the one thing with the Ian Fleming Villa is if it's booked, it's booked, you know, right. it's ten dollars to $15,000 a night. That's crazy. To rent it. <laughs> yep. And it's great. I mean, you get a um, you get a butler, you get a private cook, you get all these, but it's still so they can't say, nah, we don't need $15,000 during a Mm -hmm. pandemic. You know, David (laughs) risky. Come on in. So sure enough, there was a guy, I won't name any names, um, Mm -hmm. producer of a lot of popular films in there with his wife, only two people Mm -hmm. and it sleeps 10. Oh, wow. Um, he decided to extend his stay. Now you do the math, Tim.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: first got the villa for two weeks. Okay. He extended it
0: mm-hmm. by
1: another three weeks. So now we're up to five. Oh Gosh, wait, wait, wait. And then while I was there, uh-huh. he decided to get another five weeks. So 10 weeks at $10,000 a night. Oh, gosh. So guess what? They weren't going to kick this guy out for David <laughs> Zeritsky or anybody, quite frankly. So, um, you know, they were so happy because during a pandemic, nobody mm-hmm. was doing well in Jamaica, right? This money was so important, but they said, listen, um, first of all, they were kind of in shock about how many people watched my videos. So mm-hmm. we did a series of videos. Um, the Jamaican tourism board got involved. They toured me around to places that only the government could get in. Right. Um, and they were they would have been happy with a you know just a couple of videos here and there but they were like this is great mm-hmm. so we definitely want to have you back instead of doing the beach hut we'll do the lagoon villa which right. like is this whole entity and that's what you saw you know month and mm-hmm. a half two months ago when yep. we went there in the tail end of the no time to die mm-hmm. and we did the lagoon villa and sure enough um spent an entire day at the Ian Fleming villa and in that case what was really cool was mm-hmm. They basically said, months in advance, (laughs) nobody can book that day, Hmm. no matter what. So they left that day at the Ian Fleming Villa entirely unbookable, no matter what,
0: Hmm. which was cool. That's nice. That's really nice. And I I was watching uh, some of your uh, videos about it and, you know, touring the, the ground, so to speak. And it really is um and i'd very much it's definitely on the bucket list of places you know i'd like to, to go visit uh especially after kind of no time to die you know built bond's house very similarly yes uh and there's a there's i mean a little bit darker you know as a whole but like very very similar in, you know the you know the slatted uh windows and things like that um so yeah it's i, I think you know that really is you know uh in looking at that Scene, especially in in the film, it it feels very Fleming esque. The know? sister
1: of the managing director of um of Goldeneye, mm-hmm. she was hired by the No Time to Die crew to actually dress. Oh, really? Help design Bond's home. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the the chairs and the d- decor that you see in there, mm-hmm. she took from the Goldeneye resort. Really. In fact, there's a couple chairs outside on his deck. They they literally took from Goldeneye Mm -hmm. that when I was there in the Lagoon Villa, I was sitting in those chairs.
0: Oh wow, that's that's incredible. It was super cool. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's a shame that they don't include a uh, a typewriter in your stay.
1: (laughs) I know. That's a miss on their part. I know, right?
0: Right. Right, We'll be back. We'll
1: be back at least once in 2022. Back to Jamaica.
0: Very nice. Very nice. That's exciting. I can't wait for uh, the videos on that one. It'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So you've spoken before about how Star Wars is another favorite franchise of yours. Uh, How do you feel after some of the recent Star Wars films' lack of a plan? uh, And in comparison, how how do you think Eon did with their kind of lack of a plan for Daniel Craig's five-film run in comparison? Ooh,
1: I like that. You you said you'd give me some thinkers. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the Star Wars films were a mess. I actually like um, Force Awakens. I was excited. Yes. I think it gave me I knew that it was a copycat, but it it kind of delivered the fun and nostalgia mm-hmm. and it felt like a Star Wars film. The, the two after that were just like one worse thing after another. And it wasn't right. even political or I didn't care about that. It was more of just bad storytelling and not like you said connecting yeah. all of it together mm-hmm. i do think um i don't know if you've seen the book of boba fett or the mandalorian but those are great i mm-hmm. mean like they're back um yeah. so i think because they have a plan
0: mm-hmm.
1: all right so let's let's go to daniel craig's uh arc mm-hmm. or rain as they're calling it which is so funny because nobody talks about a timothy dalton arc right um i do feel like like that's something that is a little bit of a retro look at daniel craigs i think i don't think that they went in with a plan to connect them all together i think that there were some loose connections mm-hmm. um up until this film where they're like oh no it's all gotta be tethered together right and i think that's what weakens some of the storytelling and i mm-hmm. listen i've gone on record but i'll say it again on your podcast mm-hmm. i like no time to die what i don't love it is as a bond film I think it's got Mm -hmm. an ending that doesn't make me you know celebrate and walk out into the sun and be like yay life is great but even worse than that the more I've seen it and the more I've seen it with other people there are some really bad misses from a storytelling standpoint like Hmm. a a weak bad guy Mm -hmm. um, stories that fall apart in the third act Uh, it's it's got some misses there
0: Yeah, it definitely, you know, and I I still will rank it uh, as number two behind Casino Royale just because... Over the years, Skyfall has kind of fallen off for me. I don't think it's aged very well. Um, I do think Spectre is made better by No Time to Die. Mm. Uh, and Quantum is, you know, Quantum. Uh, <laughs> so, it's, so I kind of wanted to ask you that question because it's it, I noticed a lot of parallels between how both franchises kind of, you know, yeah. developed uh, their stories for those.
1: Yeah, and I, I am actually envious of people like you and Joe Darlington who, you know, again, ranked No Time to Die high because, look, you're waiting six years. It's like your child at a Mm. recital. You just want them to do the best. You want to rejoice. And I felt like there was so much potential. And the director, Carrie Fukunaga, unbelievable, without reproach, just fantastic. It looked beautiful. There were some great moments. To me, it was just like that, oh, like, oh, you, were, you had so much going for it. Mm-hmm. But but that's us Bond films. We're so passionate either way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that difference of opinion, and I've, I've said this before, um, that difference of opinion is, is really important in the community to kind of, you know, have these discussions and, you know, kind of build upon, you know, and even see films in a different way, you, you know, you never thought of before. Um, I mean, one of the things that I kind of like about No Time to Die is that, you know, it really does give a proper conclusion to the character and gives a proper character arc, even if it wasn't as planned, you know, as maybe some people would have liked it to be, uh, it feels a lot less force than, you know, star Wars, you know, uh, you know, arc in their last trilogy. And I I think that, um, kind of going forward, uh, you'll probably see a moving away from these kinds of, you know, long arcs that, you know, existed in Daniel Craig's, uh, tenure. Would you agree?
1: Yes. Yeah, without a doubt. And I will tell you this, I liked No Time to Die much better than the last Star Wars film. That is for sure. Uh, But but you said something really important that I want to, I want to kind of put an exclamation on into that is so vital for everybody in the Bond community to have different opinions and disagreements. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I heard another, I heard a podcast a couple of days ago while I was working out. And I was just, there was this one guy on it who was like, just digging into everybody else about no time to die mm-hmm. because his, their opinion was different. And he was like, almost like having gotcha moments. Like yeah, but wait, b- 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 wait, wait. And it's like, <laughs> if I tell you my favorite color is blue and you go, right. Mm-Mm. it's red and I'll tell you why it's red. It's the strangest thing to me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I was actually watching uh, a video that just got randomly recommended to me last night uh i watched the first couple minutes of it and this guy was about to basically go into uh reaming out uh the entire you know daniel craig tenure and everything and he's like and half like in the first couple minutes of the video he's like i'm not really a bond fan i'm like well then i don't know if you're if what you're going to say is valid because you don't look at it from the perspective from the the same perspective so as i was like yeah so very similar Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's frustrating, too, to, you know, if like you if you're not an actual fan or just someone who just likes movies, you know, it it really is hard to kind of talk to people, you know, about it sometimes. And, you know, I I even, you know, I've talked to my own girlfriend about Bond. She was not really into it when we first started going out, but it was part of the reason we started going out. And because yeah. she's a graphic designer, she helped me out with some illustrations that I wanted to do, have for the podcast, Instagram and things like that. And she loves it. Just, she was, she loved no time to die. She, she said it's her, it's her favorite film so far of all the ones she's seen. There's still some she hasn't seen yet. Um, you know, I have to
1: tell you people who aren't like us, like fanatical. About, yeah. <laughs> they're my favorite people to talk to because just a couple days ago over the, over the holiday, mm-hmm. I showed um, my son, Ellis and, mm-hmm. Uh, my in-laws, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, neither one of them had ever seen No Time to Die. So we watched it in my home Mm -hmm. and I thought, Tim, I thought they were going to love this film. Right, I was like, oh, they're going to, this is right up their alley. I know Mm -hmm. all the, oh, I know them so well. Mm -hmm. All three of them Disliked the film, and my mother-in-law actually said, "Out of all twenty-five Bond films, Mm -hmm. for her, it was the worst." Really? So, but that's what I love about people that aren't Mm -hmm. Bond fans. Like, I -hmm. could, I could tell you, Harris Thomas, yeah, almost to the opinion wording of what (laughs) he's going to feel about a certain film, Mm -hmm. but just non-Bond fan, they could just go one way or the other. It's so exciting.
0: It is. It, It and like I said, it is exciting. It's just kind of sometimes it is a little frustrating when you like when somebody wants to make a video or make content about something and properly connected to you know to to the series enough yeah playing
1: the expert without the information in any venue is ridiculous
0: exactly um but you know i i did really enjoy the film and it was it was one it was one of those ones where like you know when when the v8 you know, shows up in the film, and you and I talked about this prior, um, it's just, I don't know, it's just something, you know, triggers in you, and you're just like, yes, this is, you know, I'm feeling this, I'm with this, and and honestly, and I think the ending of the film, you know, does suffer a little bit, uh, and probably was a few, you know, drafts away from being perfect. Uh, I do think Safin could have been a more well-written character as a whole, but I think Rami Malik plays it, you know, to the nines. And honestly, in looking at it, you know, recently and watching it multiple times, now that it's out and available to watch, I kind of noticed that the, there's a MacGuffin in the film and that's the, this virus, which obviously they changed, uh, in reshoots to nanobots. Um, and which I thought was more appropriate and uh, considering the current world climate. Hmm. Um, but what do you, what do you think that the, you know, use of the having it be a a virus do you think that kind of is the villain itself and not necessarily Rami Malek's character
1: no I think that um it was an interesting choice Mm -hmm. to do something along those lines I honestly think that the writers painted themselves into several corners okay I I I really do because I think that they started out with Daniel Craig and the producer's wishes of killing Bond off they came with that story Mm -hmm. They said, how you get there, you know, is is less important than the finality of that. Mm -hmm. So that's okay. Pixar does that. They actually start with the ending of a film and work their way. Mm -hmm. But what they always do is they always work on the consistency of the characters throughout. To me, this film is a little bit of a potpourri of different forms of bond, Mm -hmm. different themes, different genres. And then again, a third act that... Seems like they went back and re edited or did something or Mm -hmm. left something on the cutting room floor that just confuses the audience. Right. Bond films, the best Bond films to me are very simple. Mm -hmm. You've got a bad guy. He's got this type of challenger situation that he's put Mm -hmm. before Bond or Bond's friends. Right. Uh, You have a resolution, you have an ending. Right. And that's it. This has so many different wiffles back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, again, I, I'm nitpicking. I'm <laughs> the worst Bond film, the worst Bond film to me is still better than most other movies I've ever seen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And this certainly isn't one of the worst ones.
0: Right, of course. Where would you rank no time to die though? And at least in the Daniel Craig tenure then.
1: Um, it is probably second to last. And okay maybe even wavering in last place.
0: Hmm, interesting. So Quantum actually with ranks a, Right. So Quantum actually ranks higher for you then? Oh hell yeah. Okay. I, I had
1: so much fun with Quantum because Quantum if you go back and look at it after no time to die mm-hmm. is a man on a mission. Yep. It's badass bond. He has an economy of words. Mm-hmm. Um, it has all the wonderful tropes that I like. If you if you give a trespass you know notice to the editing which yep. mm, you know um Yeah, just it to me, it's a lot of fun. It's got Mm -hmm. the style there. It's the same type of Daniel Craig that we got in Casino Royale Mm -hmm. as far as acting wise. So it's consistent. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for all those reasons. Mm. By the way, Tim, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, Um, nobody knows. So here you go. Mm -hmm. I actually have a video coming out very shortly Mm -hmm. that actually asks a question. Um, Did No Time to Die. Make Quantum of Solace a better movie. Hmm. So you'll have to watch that.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for that one. It'll be fun. <laughs> you heard it here. You heard it here first, folks. That's it. Yep. It's out. Um, so moving on, uh, throughout most of the uh, press store for no time to die, the actors and filmmakers were involved in press junkets where different members of the media got to ask questions about the film. You were lucky enough to uh, get to interview the major stars, legendary producers, and talented filmmakers of no time to die. Um, how did that come about and which interview was your favorite and why?
1: So that came about, um, it was a shock and surprise to me. Um, it, it wasn't a long preamble. It wasn't like you know, weeks or months beforehand, you know, I knew this was going to happen. Um, I did build a very nice relationship with United Artists Releasing
0: mm-hmm. where
1: um, there were certain things that they were talking to me about. But um, honestly, at one point I, I had said to them, um, it was so innocent. I said, uh, my channel is about style. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to interview Siderat, right? the costume designer. And um Got to know them. And then one day they they called me and this again, n- almost no notice whatsoever mm-hmm. and said, um, David, we've got some exciting news for you. Um, we're putting you into uh, the interview cycle. And I'm thinking like, oh, great. So I, I will get to interview Sidorat. Right. And so they start to go. Um, so there's a couple interview patterns. Um, you know, some people get seven minutes, um, mm-hmm. kind of the big venues get 15 minutes. Right. Um, we're going to give you the big venue timing Mm -hmm. and I'm like this is great 15 (laughs) minutes wow 15 Mm -hmm. minutes with Sidorot yeah and they go um I'll never forget this they go so on Tuesday you'll be interviewing um Carrie Fukunaga on Thursday uh, Barbara and Michael Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: then uh, the following week on Tuesday um you'll be interviewing Daniel Craig and then uh we'll follow up with uh on Thursday Mm mm-hmm and I'm thinking to myself, like, what just happened? <laughs> um, so I, I would love to say that this was like years in the planning or anything like that. But it was it was such a wonderful gift. What was really nice was um, during and after those interviews, mm-hmm. um, I think that they liked the fact or they were happily surprised with the fact that
0: mm-hmm. I
1: took very much a fan approach as opposed to a journalist approach. So the right. journalists were all saying, like, what's your favorite bomb? gadget? What's your favorite Bond movie? And who's going to be the next Bond? And I went on there. (laughs) And if you watch the Daniel Craig one, it kind of takes him by surprise, but I talk about his suits and I talk about his shoes (laughs) and, you know, I talk about what I would want to know. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a comfortable conversation and Mm. um, they liked it. So they started to give me more opportunities and more events and things like that. So um, yeah, just kind of snowballed from there and here we are in 2022. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. And is that what led to you going out for the, um, like the release of the Blu-ray and everything in in London?
1: Yeah. And that was um, conversations between all the groups, but that was Universal. So that was kind of a different group altogether Mm -hmm. and working with some absolutely wonderful people at Universal. And the fun thing for me was not just the events or talking to more of the celebrities, but just sitting down with the people at universal Mm -hmm. for hours on end in these, you know, rooms where you're, you're basically in a holding room with like really good food and drink and things like that before you go in and (laughs) do these interviews, they take care of you, Mm -hmm. but just chatting with them and them chatting with you and, and hearing behind the scenes and honestly realizing that these, it's not it's not a corporate entity it's a bunch of individuals mm-hmm. whose career this is and they love it or sometimes they hate these moments and you know their trials and tribulations so by the end when i left london last time i was mm. like hugging these people from universal because we had like <laughs> for a week we had been through so much together you, right. you really do get close and the other um journalists that were there, you know, people from variety and, and, and Rolling Stone and cinema blend. And Mm -hmm. you just get to know them as these wonderful individuals. So I was honored. I was, I'm still aghast and honored um, and very humbled by everything that happened.
0: Absolutely. I I, I, honestly, if I were you, I would be pinching myself. Like I'm interviewing Daniel Craig, I'm interviewing the producers. Like it's like, it's like, you know, and, and it kind of goes into my next question here. So like, you've been all over the world dressed in the best bond clothing items, driven bonds, cars, and have even talked to James Bond himself. So with all that being said, how would you like to see your content change and evolve going forward? And has there ever been a time where you thought, is this the end of the channel?
1: Those are some big questions. Um, You know, something, I don't know if you're going to dislike this answer or not, but I've never thought about, an evolution of my channel. Like I've never purposely said I need to take it in a new direction Mm -hmm. or I need to evolve it. Um, what I think has happened because of my consistency, because I've stayed true to the passion of doing things that I want to do. Like I, I, this is going to sound terrible and haughty, but (laughs) I tell people I don't take requests. Um, I get requests, but I don't take requests. Like I want to wake up in the morning and be like, Oh man, you know what I want to do? i want to do a Billy Reed jacket video. Mm -hmm. It's about time, you know, right. Um, If I stay true to that, good things are going to happen. If I, if Mm -hmm. I'm, if I work hard at it, um, if I lift other people up at the same time, which I do know that the powers that be like it, the fact that, you know, my channel stays away from politics, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: both sides, by the way, if people have an agenda left or right, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also stay away from just being an individual like I love things like this and mm-hmm. but if I stay with that my channel is going to evolve on its own and it has I mean last last year was a big moment for the bond experience in mm-hmm. I think moving in a direction that um doesn't make it more formal it, it just makes it that it has a slightly larger megaphone right or reach to it mm-hmm. but um the channel going away have I ever thought the channel was going away no, because this is my <laughs> this is my therapy. Like I don't play golf, I don't play tennis. Mm-hmm. Um I I work, mm-hmm. I have a career, I have a wonderful family, I have mm-hmm. great friends, I work out. And the fifth part of my hand
0: Martial that arts? covers <laughs> my world is bond.
1: Yeah, it's like yeah. it's bond. bond so right. if my channel went away, <laughs> I feel like a part of my my Bond passion would go away.
0: Mm-hmm and, and I've never thought of slowing down either. Okay. So I wanted to ask that question because I feel like, you know, you're just a machine in putting out the the kind of content that you put out. Honestly, I feel like there's something new to to take in every single day and that's I think what yeah. is so great about, you know, your channel and everybody that puts out content uh on that consistent of a basis and you know, not that, I, not that I'm saying that I want you to ever stop. And I was just, don't take that as a that kind of thing. I was I was curious because there's, you know, when you've been doing it for so long, you know, Joe's been doing this for 15 years yeah. um, and you've been doing it for, you know, pretty much about the same amount of time. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, you know, there, there's a lot, because a lot of people who, you know, create content get to a point where like, well, I want to do something different or I want to do this or I want to do that. And, you know, the fact that you, you know, understand where you know this passion is on your five fingers um you know i think that is probably one of the most important you know things and i think something that people miss when they do create content is that you know they want to you know do it a certain way and if they're not like you said earlier if they're not getting the followers or not getting this or not getting that they, they get impatient with it yeah. And I think the the right message and the message you're saying is that continue to do what you're doing because it's only going to grow exponentially as long as you're putting your passion into it.
1: Yeah, I, I that's a really great way to put it because I always find it interesting when people say, you know what, I'm kind of burned out from Bond. I'm going to take a break or there isn't a movie to talk about. I'm going to take a break or I'm on vacation. I'm going to take a break. To me, um, I'm always having things pop into my mind, ideas mm-hmm. and creativity. And if I don't scratch that itch, It actually gets to me and I, I, it's not an obsession. It's more of, you know, the, the moments that I think about or my posts or my videos and things like that don't come from me sitting down with a pad of paper and going, all right, right. What's next. It's me just having these things burning that I've Mm got to say, you know what? I I need it as an outlet. When I go on vacation, I I try to do the bond fitness stuff, not because I'm trying for aesthetics, but because there's something within me that says, I want to do that. So I think when people start their channel, like you, Mm -hmm. you had to ask yourself, all right, before I get into this, before I put myself out there, what's my why? Like, why am I doing this? And am I really passionate? Because I've seen so many people, names you would recognize Mm -hmm. who have started this and just stopped cold, or they've gone on hiatus and you're Mm -hmm. like, something's happened. Maybe they've lost their why a bit. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, and and I've spoken about this before. Don't, you know, don't do it for the followers. Don't do it for, you know, the amount of downloads or the, or, you know, watches or views or likes or dislikes, whatever, do it for you. And because that's what will, you know, attract people to you.
1: If I could put a tagline out there for content creators, it would be exactly what you just said almost verbatim, because the problem is you get people who, and it's fine. I, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't want to douse this, but you get people that are like, Hey, I got this many views and a celebration Mm -hmm. and a big post. And it's like, okay. Um, And then you get others who sometimes will contact me and say, you know, I want to get to the point on my YouTube channel or my Instagram where brands are sending me things, right. Or I'm getting free stuff, or I get to go events. And I'm like, if that is your goal or destination, Mm -hmm. there will be some point where you stop doing this.
0: Right.
1: You know, I always tell people (laughs) You know, dance like nobody knows you're dancing. Yep. You know, and and I've told also podcasters, like, Mm -hmm. do your podcast like nobody's listening because maybe nobody's listening in the beginning. (laughs) But but that's okay. If you have two people listening to you, you have an audience.
0: Exactly. And if you can even touch just one of those people, I think that's... Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I'm
1: sure you've gotten this too with your following... In the sense that you get these wonderful messages from people saying, you know what, I was down and out, I lost my job, I've been traveling, whatever it is, I have COVID, Mm -hmm. Um, for for an hour, for 90 minutes, you took me away. And isn't that what Bond is about? Escapism
0: absolutely absolutely and it's escapism in many different forms and you know from many different topics and you know i'm sure not everybody loves the clothing of bond they just want to watch the film or they want to you know or they enjoy the music of bond but there's something for everybody and yeah and that's 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 the most important thing and i've been guilty of the uh the former of you know kind of you know oh, i got this many downloads or whatever but you know what i do it as an appreciation because it's you know you have to kind of stay humble with it and just be like look thank you for all of you who've gotten us you know to this point it's really just amazing and been an it's an amazing ride and you know we hope to continue to you know bring that smile to your face when you listen yeah, to us
1: that is valid
0: yeah absolutely and i see it in your content every time i watch a video and i'm like there's the passion you know and that's 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 oh, what's needed thank you you're welcome So, uh, as discussed in, uh, previous episodes, my dad and I are car guys, uh, and you have the ultimate in British engineering in a, (laughs) uh, 2006 Aston Martin V8 Vantage. Mm Uh, so my dad prefers the DB5 and I prefer the V8 from the living daylights and no time to die. So of all the cars in the films, and you can only pick one, uh, which one would you like to have in your garage at your disposal?
1: Whoa. Well, that's a tough one because... I think if I was to go with my gut, I would probably say the DB5 just because it's so iconic. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be able to go into the garage and see a DB5 sitting there Mm -hmm. would be just seismic. I mean, you would Mm -hmm. never get used to that. So for the sheer shock and awe, and also just to be like, you know, a bit of a dick, you know, just driving (laughs) it around and having people go like, you know, it's so identifiable. Right. You know, um, so I'd probably choose the DB5. But I don't know if that's where my heart is. So my heart is with you and the mm-hmm. V8. Okay. Um, the, the Timothy Dalton one, just because there's something about it. It's, it's, not, the, it's not the natural choice. Mm-hmm. And to me, there's something about that that I love. It's, it's off the beaten path. Right. And it's just such a muscle car. It's just oh, so beasty.
0: Yeah, it was, um, and I covered this, uh, it was uh, Britain's first supercar. At the time. when That's right. Out. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is, which is incredible. What about yet? you? What's your, what's your pick in that case? Well, what's your obviously choice? it's the V8. It's just, it's, it's the most beautiful car, but I like the one from No Time to Die better because it's a proper hardtop. top uh obviously you notice that the winterized version in living daylights is actually a v8 saloon that it's they like saloon, converted yeah. to the yeah and which just has that weird retractable like kind of roof looking thing and i'm like nah, i like the one from no time to die better and i'm glad that the corgi version matches the one from the film yeah. because well yeah you,
1: you want to hear something since you're a car guy so when i was mm-hmm. you know in front of those aston martins at that event in in uh, the middle of england mm-hmm. um they're, the Aston Martin people were there and yeah. they were great because if you knew the cars and you were doing your video, yeah. they were all smiles. <laughs> but I was talking to one guy and he said one of his biggest frustrations was that everybody everybody out there around No Time to Die was calling it the V8 Vantage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he goes, it's not a Vantage.
0: Yeah, it's just the v He V8. goes,
1: it's, it's, it's the Aston Martin V8. That's yep. it. Mm-hmm. He said, stop right there. And I said, I'm guilty. I was calling it the V8 VA Vantage." He goes, that's fine. He goes, but, and it even says it. He goes, look, it says it on the freaking side of the Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. So there you go.
0: There you go. Um, yeah. And I just, that, that car, honestly, I kind of wished it had gadgets in no time to die. Because when, when Bond takes the, the Toyota Land Cruiser or whatever, and you see the, the Aston Martin there, you're like, but I mean... <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you got to get to well you got to get to london you got to go to Bewley museum mm-hmm. or you go to the peterson museum in los angeles yeah that's see, that's
0: uh, one of those is, is the goal over the course of the next uh, of, course, of course over the course of this year so yeah yeah hope perfect for that. Mm-hmm. well thank you david for being my guest today this was great fun and i hope to speak to you again soon you can check out David on Instagram at @thebondexperience. the bond experience. You can also watch previous video reviews of bond clothing items and different bond experiences on his YouTube channel and episodes of his podcast uh, are available wherever you listen to them. Well, Thank you again. And until next time, be well, be kind and be, be bond. bond.